Hello and welcome to Master Your Coaching Biz, a podcast for rising coaches and entrepreneurs who want to design the life of their dreams and make a massive impact on the world while building an inspired, successful, and profitable business. I'm your host, Cheryl Thacker, Master Board Certified Coach, trainer, ICF Mentor Coach, international speaker, and founder of Successful Coaches Enterprise. I believe that every coach has a unique gift to present to the world, and I'm humbled that I've had the opportunity to work with hundreds of coaches and entrepreneurs on their journey to mastering their business. Join me each week as we explore all things coaching to master your business with tools, techniques, and strategies to create and market your products, get visible, make an impact, and grow your business. Listen in on interviews with leading coaches and entrepreneurs sharing their stories and best tips to teach, inspire, and empower you. Observe coaching sessions, participate in Q&A, and learn how to master your mindset to enhance your coaching skills. Are you ready to build the life and business of your dreams while doing what you love? Let's get started. Welcome everyone. I am so excited today. I have a perfect guest, a perfect coach, perfect person, although she won't say she's perfect, to launch my podcast. And I'm so excited that she accepted. And I want to just say that I have Kara Allwell on our show today. And she is going to be talking to us about all things coaching, everything else that she has going on as well. Kara is a master life coach and multiple best-selling author. So hey, Kara, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Cheryl. I'm so excited to be here and congrats on the podcast. I know it's going to be incredible and everybody who's listening right now is in for a treat. Thank you so much. So let's get started. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do. So um, like you said, I'm a coach, an author. I live in New York City, born and raised here in New York. Always wanted to be a writer. That's really how my personal coaching journey started. Wanted to write a book. I started off with a blog to kind of build my platform and quickly noticed that the stories that I was writing about were really centered around personal development before I even knew what that was. I didn't even know what that term meant. <laughs> we used to call it self-help, I guess, back yeah. in the day. So this is like, you know, 12 years ago that I started this blog and I started writing stories for women, writing about my life, my own journey, kind of giving tips on how to live your best life, sharing what I was going through. And I was getting a big response from my readers, my, my very small readership, but I was getting a big response response from that small readership of women who really wanted to connect and they wanted to take it a step further than just reading a blog post or maybe one day reading a book. Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided to start coaching. And I didn't know what life coaching was, but I knew that it was something that I felt like I could explore, that I felt like would help me help others. And I signed up for WCI and Cheryl, you were my, <laughs> my training director, my, my teacher. And I learned from you and I really fell in love with the coaching process. And that became a big part of my career that was totally unplanned. Like I said, I just, I wanted to be an author and I did go on to become an author. I've written nine books now and I love writing and I love sharing, but I do love coaching. So I really do a blend of the two. I've got a podcast and my whole brand is really centered around helping women live their best lives. My brand is called the champagne diet. It was actually inspired by an actual glass of champagne many years ago. Um, and I help women live effervescently. I think when we think about champagne, we think about celebrations and we think about toasting to something. And it's always this very special kind of exclusive event when you open a bottle of champagne. And I really wanted life to feel like that every single day, you know, not necessarily with champagne every day, although I wish that would be the case, but taking the time to be thankful for what you have and taking the time to celebrate the good in life and 
just live better. Awesome. I love that. And I do love the champagne diet, the, the blog that you started. I, right, as soon as you became a student, I went and checked it out. So that's awesome. And you've grown that so much into, you know, different areas, but like you said, centered around that, that effervescent life, that self-development, which yes, it was called self-help when we were younger, I think. <laughs> but yeah, so awesome. So tell me in the beginning, what kind of mindset did you have when you went into, you started with the blog, small blog, but then you went into coaching. What was the mindset there when you, when you first started coaching? I really just wanted to help people. You know, I genuinely, I had no expectations when I started coaching. And I think in a way it was a blessing that I really wasn't looking around the industry. Like one of the tips that I always give new coaches is like, don't subscribe to every single email list. Don't do every single webinar. Don't overwhelm yourself with other people's content. Really focus on why you do what you do and why you want to do it. So for me, it was really just thinking about the kind of woman that I wanted to help and work with. And I really didn't see a lot of coaches like me in our industry. You know, mm -hmm. I love to go out. I love fashion. I love, you know, I live in New York City. Like I sort of have this kind of, I think like fun lifestyle. I'm very lighthearted. You know, I wanted my brand to really like include all of that. I wanted to be a brand for women who love pink and glitter and champagne and all like you know, like a different approach to personal development. So I knew that going in, that was my mindset. I wanted to really speak to the woman like me that could identify with me, that loves sex in the city, that love, you know, like that whole vibe. Yeah. So I really didn't take in other people's content. I really didn't look around my industry. I just knew that I had a mission that I wanted to speak to the woman who was not probably going to pick up like a Tony Robbins book. Maybe she would at some point, but you know, a very different kind of style, personal style, which really ultimately is personal branding, which I really didn't even realize at the time I was doing, you know, so my mindset was just really of service and wanting to inspire others and do it in a way that felt fun. So, so thinking along those lines, you wanted to help women and you knew that pretty early on. So that, that can be difficult for new coaches, right? To figure out who do I want to help? Because we're trained, you know, the training is you're trained to coach anyone on anything, right? Because it's the process of coaching that you're learning. So when you go to think, okay, so now who do I want to coach? You have coaches that think, you know, I can coach anybody. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run out there and I'm going to coach anybody. And then you have people like us or me anyway, saying, Hey, I really think that you need to niche down <laughs> so that you're heard. It can be noisy out there. Right? So you knew pretty early on, but when you're, when you're helping your coaches and entrepreneurs figure out their niches, what is, what is the, the advice or the kind of the take give them to be able to choose? Well, I think it's about what you connect to. What is exciting to you? What kind of a person would you want to help? You know, does that person look like you maybe five years ago? You know, does that person look like someone in your family that you're really connected to that you feel like you've gone through something with them and now you want to take that and help others and expand on it? I think it's just about looking at your own interests and your own passions. I know I probably wouldn't be passionate about coaching doctors, let's say, you know, because I just, I don't have a connection to that. The, you know, medicine is not something that I feel drawn to. So like really think about whatever it is that you're excited about. Think about what's speaking to you. Again, don't look around at the industry. Like I see a lot of people becoming business coaches because they think business coaches are really successful, but they've never actually run a business. So they try and they fail and they, it's not sustainable and it's not authentic to them. So really think about what's speaking to you. For me, it was really speaking to someone who was in my shoes a couple of years ago. I wanted to speak to like the younger version of me. And I think I still do in a lot of ways. Again, it doesn't mean that you have to only speak to those people. I kind of, I didn't realize I had a niche at all until like I took a look around. And I was like, wait, I kind of do, but I feel like there's now it, my brand has really evolved and developed and I, I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs a lot of coaches a lot of boss babes if you will but that wasn't always what I had planned to do so I think you 
can start with one group of people that you want to work with, one type of ideal client, and allow yourself to grow and expand as you grow and expand. And so thinking usually our ideal clients in the beginning anyway, our previous version of ourselves, which you kind of just said. So for you, what was the previous version that you were targeting with your champagne diet to start with? She was the girl who was maybe, you know, wanting to get out of a relationship that wasn't good for her. She's the girl that maybe wanted to learn to love herself and her body a little bit more. The girl who knew deep down she was really unstoppable and fierce and wanted what she wanted out of life, but something was holding her back. There was something, she was still listening to the voice in her head that was telling her she wasn't enough. She had limiting beliefs that were holding her back. She wanted this big, fabulous life that was maybe other people didn't really understand. And she had to get the courage to move past that. She had to you know, get past those roadblocks. She had to learn to believe in herself and make it happen and really, you know, be okay with standing out and maybe not sort of going against the grain a little bit and sort of stepping out from the status quo. And st- just standing out and being being you. Yeah, and being authentic to who she really is, you know? And I think this goes for a lot of people, men and women. We tend to think that there's one way to do life. You know, we, we kind of go on this path and we're like, okay, this is what I should do. I should go to college. I should get a job. I should, you know, uh, buy the house, get married, have the kids, whatever, you know, in no particular order, I guess. <laughs> but we're, you know, get a job, retire, and then what, die? Like, that's just so boring to me. And I've always felt like my <laughs> life is going to look different. And I think a lot of people want their lives to look different, but a lot of people just get sucked in and they feel like they're, they should be on this path. And they wind up, you know, some people sadly at the end of their lives feeling like they weren't true to themselves. There's a study that I've written about many times and it was done by a nurse who, I think she was in Australia and she was working with people who were basically in hospice care. So they were on their deathbed and she started interviewing them and she asked them like, what is your one regret in life? Like, what is the one thing that you wish you would have done. And the number one regret of the dying was, I wish I would have lived a life that was true to myself, not what others wanted of me. So that really like drives me in my work and that drives me in my coaching, you know, to kind of help people uncover like, what is the thing that you really truly want to do? Because I think a lot of us are scared to even admit that to ourselves. Right. Absolutely. I agree. When you were starting your coaching journey, how, you know, how did you get your first client? How did you get into the, into the coaching? So I just didn't shut up about it. (laughs) I shattered it from the rooftops. I was like, I'm a life coach. But no, at the time, I mean, Instagram really, I don't even think we were on Instagram because I went to WCA in 2011, right? So this is a long time ago. I think I got on Instagram in like 2013 or something. So I really had Facebook and I had Twitter and I used those tools. I talked about everything I was going through. I, I remember doing like Facebook updates, talking about my training, talking about when I got my certification, like just everything. And I got people really invested in what I was doing and I got them excited about it because I was excited about it. Mm-hmm. So when the time came to start promoting my work, I remember, I think I actually, I'd had a few private clients, but I started with group coaching because I did the master course. So I became certified in group coaching, which I actually is still to this day, my favorite thing to do. <laughs> and I just got these groups together, you know, and I, I think one of the things that was helpful for me was not overcharging in the beginning. And I don't want anyone to confuse this with me saying, don't charge what you're worth. I think we're all worth a lot. And I think the work we do is incredible, but I didn't want to make it so inaccessible to people. I wanted my coaching to be accessible. I wanted to people to feel like they could afford it and I could also get the practice. You know, so I remember doing group coaching programs and I would do maybe like, I don't know, a four or a six week program. And I charged, you know, a nominal amount. It wasn't anything crazy, but I was learning in the process of it. And I, 
you know, word of mouth started to spread. Someone would suggest the program to a friend or a coworker, and then it kind of just took off from there. I actually remember your first group program. I was in it. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I, re I remember the price. I remember it was four weeks, and I think it was $149. Yeah. It was an incredible group coaching. You put together materials, which kind of made it feel like a course, but it was a group coaching, and you had, you curated your audience right from the beginning. The girls in there were amazing, and we all kind of meshed, and you know, and uh, it was really great. I loved it. I try to do things as much as possible that I can with, with students or grads. And I just felt like that was going to be something exciting. And it definitely was. And, and it took off from there. So I can, I can personally attest to that. <laughs> yeah, I love that you remember the price. I was actually trying to think of that. I'm like, what did I charge? And yeah. you know, again, this was like, what? I mean, how many years ago at this point? Seven I think it was after your master. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, seven years ago. Yeah. And it's grown from there, but it's taken me a really long time to raise my prices and to get to this point. And I've really spent a great deal of effort and time and work building my platform. So I think again, like not to tell anyone that they should not charge what they feel they're worth, but I think I do see that happening a lot. I think that's when a lot of new coaches get discouraged mm -hmm. because they overcharge for something and maybe they are not at the point where they can deliver that in the beginning. You just, that's just what it is. You need the experience and the time. So yeah you know, get the experience. Don't be, you know, afraid. If, don't feel like you have to be where someone else is at who's been doing this for 10 years. Right. And, and I think also that to uh, speak to that a little bit more is that you have to get a certain, people have to notice you, right? You have to get a certain amount of visibility in order to start charging that. Yep. So definitely looking at, you know, coming in at, I help my clients start at the beginning, right? Here's your base price. Mm -hmm. Do this for two or three clients or two or three runs of your program or whatever. Then let's, you know, go to the next level. And you just kind of incrementally come up to where you feel like, you know, you're, your program should be priced. And, and I definitely agree with that. Just, um, I think the coaches that come out with higher prices in the beginning, they feel that failure right away and that can set you back. Um, and I just don't think that's good all the way around. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. It's just the way to build your confidence is to start small and to slowly build it. You know, nothing happens overnight. And I think like having patience is one of the most like, underrated skills that you can have as a new business owner. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thinking along those lines, when you first started, what, did you have any limiting beliefs and, and what were they? Yeah. I mean, I just, I always, I still do sometimes. I still have to work through it. I still always hope that I can deliver. I still always hope that people feel like it's worth it to them. Like they're getting everything that they need out of it. But what I remind myself is, of is that I'm skilled. I'm trained, I'm intuitive, you know, I'm passionate and people need to also show up for themselves in a coaching environment. So like your client needs to be coachable, you know? And so it's not all on you. I think as long as you're doing your best and you're pushing through those blocks and showing up anyway and giving it your all, there's a certain amount of faith that you just kind of have to have in the whole process. And not every single experience is going to be perfect. Like, I think that's something to understand too. Like you just get better with time. So in the beginning, if you fumble a little bit or if something, you know, maybe doesn't go the way that you envisioned it to go, like, it's okay. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. not the end all be all. Just keep going. And that's what I always remind myself of. Like, just keep going. You know, you love this. You can't imagine not doing it. So just keep showing up and, and giving it your all. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. And so when you think about just showing up, just to keep showing up, what was one tool that you used um, when you realized you had limiting beliefs to, to kind of get past it? So this is actually something that I learned from our coach training, you know, writing down that limiting belief and then writing down another belief to challenge it. So if something felt like if something was making me feel like I couldn't do a good job or I would feel stuck in some way, I would think about my past accomplishments, other things I had done well, you know, experiences I had had, even if it wasn't in coaching because I was so new, but thinking about the success I had in my corporate job. I'm like, okay, if you can get promoted and you can be a manager of, you know, this team and you've 
gotten performance bonuses and you've done all these things, like what makes you think you can't do it in this industry? You know, so really just like, sometimes it's just writing it down on a piece of paper, writing the limiting belief, crossing it out, and then writing the new belief underneath it and just realizing and really truly believing in yourself and realizing that the, the real truth is that you can do it. And okay. the belief is just a belief and you can choose your thoughts and, and reminding myself of that all the time. Like I'm choosing my thoughts. I'm choosing to believe the good. Did you have a lot of support when you first started or, or not? You know, I did, but I also definitely had people who thought I was crazy, who thought that life coaching was like a scam. I heard a lot of people saying that to me, like, oh, what is a life coach? It's that you're not gonna be taken seriously. And I didn't care. I mean, I really just blocked it out. I really just focused on the people who were doing good things. I actually, my friends believed in me, but they didn't really get it. And same for my family. So I think I really just surrounded myself with people. I went into Facebook groups, you know, with other coaches and other entrepreneurs. And I tried to just surround myself with people who got it, who really understood. I had support. I mean, I, I grew my coaching practice and my writing career while I was working my corporate job. So I was at MTV for eight years in a corporate position. And for six of those eight years, I was coaching and writing. And I remember when I was going to leave, a lot of people were nervous. Like people really thought I was crazy. They're like, how are you going to walk away from the six figure career? You're a director, you know, you're climbing the corporate ladder. You've got your own office. You've got, you know, all these direct reports. Like, what are you doing? And I really had to dig deep and believe in myself and believe in my vision and realize that people weren't going to get it. People were not going to understand it. But I looked around and I said, well, there are all these other people who are doing it. So why not me? Right. Exactly. Why not me? <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. So you said you were six of those years, you were working on your side gig, right? Yep. Um, so what, what kind of pushed you to say, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm going to do this full time. Well, I was coaching on the weekends and on the evening. So like all of my spare time, I was taking on clients and I was writing my books and I remember like a, for a few months in a row, I was hitting a level in my side hustle income that was coming close to my full-time income. And I remember at that point thinking to myself, if I could just have more time, I could earn the rest of this money to be able to pay my bills. And I would constantly take out a calculator and like add it up. I'd be like, okay, if I do this group coaching program and I have this many clients and I sell this many books, like I could do it. So it was a little bit of faith and believing that it could be possible, but also a little bit of strategy. And I, I really recommend that to anybody who's going out on their own, like give yourself some time to build up that hustle. Like do not just jump with no money coming in because you're going to wind up miserable and you're going to have to go back and get some kind of crappy job that you're not happy about. Right. And just set you back. So I initially wanted to leave in 2013 and I thought that I was ready to do it. And then at the last minute I freaked out and I got cold feet and I waited a whole other year. So I left in 2014 and I didn't have a lot of savings. I got a bonus. I got like this performance bonus because I had done well that year. Mm -hmm. And the bonus was like $7,000 or something. And that was all that I had in the bank. So I was like, I got to make this happen. I have to earn this income. And I actually did. I think I either double or tri I want to say I tripled my income that first month from what I was making at MTV. So I proved to myself that I could do it. And obviously I had been doing it for months, but with that extra time, like I worked like I never worked before. That first month, it was October. I, I don't know what happened, but something took over. <laughs> I was like <laughs> creating all of this stuff and it works. Awesome. That is just, that's amazing. And like you said, it was a high profile job and you were making, you know, a lot of money. You were a director and so it's tough sometimes to pull yourself from there and, and have that faith in yourself. But I, I think I totally agree with building up the side hustle first to a point where at least you have some planning or strategy. What I see some coaches doing are, you know, I'm going to quit my job so I can spend this, um, you know, 40 hours a week doing this 
uh, my coaching or my entrepreneur heart's desire. And then, yeah, then after a couple of months, they're like, okay, let me go get a waitress job or let me go do this so I can spend less time, and, but just bring money in to pay the bills. And then you get on this kind of cycle of failure and negative mindset and owing money and, and you get more into debt and it just becomes a big mess, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely building up that side hustle, but then also the planning part. So that's really important. What you said, having that strategy. One thing I try to stress is really having a business plan, right? A, a simple one. It doesn't have to be anything major. But like you said, you calculate, well, I would need this. How many clients, like, how many clients do I need at this price point or, you know, through this program or, you know, what have you. So is that, is that something that you would say was really important for you in the beginning to have that? And it, I think it builds confidence too. It does. And I mean, I still do that. You know, I still, and now it's a little bit more natural because I'm in a flow, but you have to plan, you know, you have to know where it's going to come from. You ha you can't just wing it. You can't just hope that you get clients. You have to know how you're going to promote. You have to know what's going to happen, what that's going to look like, how many people you'll need to work with. So it's especially in the beginning. And I think you need to have multiple streams of income. So I had my group coaching I had my books. I had a few private clients at that point. And then I was selling like a digital workbook for, I think, $49. It was called Glitter, Guts, and Glam. Do you remember that? I do. <laughs> I think I have it. Yes. <laughs> I remember that. Good. It had a goal. I might have to repurpose that. Bring it yeah. back to the archives and vintage champagne diet. Absolutely. But yeah, I had different streams of income. So I knew, okay, if something falls through, like if I'm not selling the workbook, I still have private clients. Or if a private client drops off or I don't get one for this month, I've got a group that's going on. So just being a little bit strategic in terms of how you're going to make it happen and being really creative about what that looks like. Because, you know, if you depend on all private clients, you might get to a point where you're just burnt out. And that's, you know, you don't want to be working with 10 people a week. Maybe you only have the energetic bandwidth to work with five people a week. And the rest of your income is going to come from a product or a course or something that you launch. So I think just figuring it out, giving yourself the room and the space and the time to figure out what works for you is really important. And if you can do that while you're side hustling, you're going to save yourself a lot of heartache <laughs> once you quit because you're not going to be stressed out. You sort of, you're in your groove and your flow. Yeah, absolutely. So if you had to say the key component or one or two key components to really, you know, letting go of that negative mindset, stepping in, using that one philosophy, what made you feel successful? What was the component that made you feel successful? I think the response that I got from people, the feedback that I was getting from people, like actually that's why I love coaching so much because you give your, well, you help your client figure out what their goals are going to be, you know, and seeing people actually reaching those goals each week and working towards something and hearing them, you know, and then the next call report in and say, Hey, I did this and I got it done and I felt really great about it. Or I had this shift. I shifted my mindset. I feel so much better this week. I thought I chose better thoughts. So that direct feedback, there was about a year where I wasn't coaching because I was focusing on my books. Girl Code had come out and I, I took a break and I wound up missing it so much because it's wonderful to get book reviews and to hear from people that they love your book, but there's just something different about like working with somebody directly on something. So that personal feedback really still drives me to this day and still makes me feel like, okay, this is true success. This is what success looks like. You know, it's the, the impact that you have on someone. And would you say that's a motivating factor for you to keep going as well? Oh yeah, 
completely. Seeing that, seeing that, you know, hearing the feedback, knowing that you're helping somebody change their life. There's nothing like it. Yeah, they're absolutely agree with you. That's why I do it as well. <laughs> so fulfilling. Um, yeah. So what do you do to, to help keep that success mindset in front? I think just continuing to like remind myself of it and have gratitude for it. I wake up every day and I'm thankful. I really do. I, I truly wake up and I say, I get to do this, you know, and I worked hard for it, but I get to do this work every single day. And I, I, I'm so aware that there are people around me who are going into a job that they can't stand or, you know, having to show up for something they don't believe in or they don't want to do with their lives. And I get to do what I love to do. So that's very rewarding. And I think just constantly being in a space of gratitude reminds me of that. What do you do when you want to kind of take your business up a notch to call in more? What's something you do there? There's a lot of things. So I, I definitely work on, like I have my own little kind of spiritual practices or my energetic practices, you know, where I do some journaling, I set intentions, I start to visualize what that looks like. I visualize myself stepping into that next level. I travel. I love to travel. I love to be out. I love to be away from the computer. I always say that like my best ideas do not happen in front of a keyboard or in front of Instagram. <laughs> they just don't. Sometimes that could be very draining for me to be in front of the computer for too long. So I just, I love to do things like get out and walk around and I live in New York. So I just walk all over the city and that inspires me and that keeps me in a good space. Yeah. Just continuing to, to do things that like fill me up and, and feel good. So I just want to kind of shift over a little bit. So you have a new book out. Yes. And um, this is your ninth book, right? Yeah. So tell us about the book. So the book is called Girl on Fire. And I am most proud of this book more than any other book that I've written. I think it's my best one yet because I I went through so much in the process. So I'll give you guys like the short version of the story because I feel like I've said this so many times, but my dream was always to write a book. And that's why I started my blog and got into coaching. And when I wrote my first book, I wrote the proposal, the book proposal for it. I wanted a book deal more than anything. Like I wanted my Carrie Bradshaw moment, you know, with my book deal and having my book launch party. And I had this whole kind of vision planned out for it. And I wound up getting a literary agent and we shopped the book to publishers and the book wound up getting rejected 19 times. So like 19 edit, I, like I told you, I didn't know that there were 19 publishers out there. I didn't even know that that many existed, but there were, and the book got rejected. And then at that moment I decided, okay, I could let these people choose my future and choose my path, or I can go ahead and I can self-publish. And at the time the self-publishing industry was really changing. It was ramping up. It was in favor of indie authors. It was, you know, Amazon created a platform that's now called KDP that allowed authors self-publish with no overhead costs, no fees at all. So like, obviously you spend money on your designer and your editor, but it was really cheap to do it. And you get a great royalty rate, much more than you would get from a publisher. So I did that and I self-published my first book. I self-published four actually. And then Girl Code, which was the fourth, was the one that sort of put me on the map. A lot of people know me from that book and it took off and it just did really, really well. And at that point, one of the publishers that actually rejected me years ago came back and Penguin Random House, they you know, sent me an email and they were like, we love your book, Girl Code. We've read it. We really want to work with you on your next book. So I wound up working with them and they not only, not only did I do a new book with them, but they actually bought the rights to Girl Code so that we could expand it even further and get it in bookstores and airports and foreign language translations and all that stuff. And I thought at that point that my dream had come true because I finally had this book deal, but I wound up actually really disliking the entire process. I realized quickly that it wasn't for me, that I loved self-publishing. I loved being independent. I loved being able to choose myself. I didn't want to have this big team that really didn't fully always understand my vision. It just, it didn't work for me. It let me down in a lot of ways. It's a very antiquated model. And I missed it. I missed self-publishing. So when I wrote a few more books in between, just workbooks, I wrote a poetry book, 
book. I did a lot of different things. And then the time came to write Girl on Fire. And I was, I knew I wanted to write almost like a follow-up to Girl Code, which is a kind of a roadmap for female entrepreneurs. It's all about, you know, coming together in sisterhood and, and living out your dreams. And I knew I wanted to write a follow-up, but I wasn't quite sure what that was going to be. And as soon as I allowed myself to be really honest about how upset I was with my book deal and that whole process, that's when Girl on Fire came out. And the book is really just about blazing your own trail, doing things your way, not waiting for a middleman to come along and give you an opportunity. It's about creating your own opportunities, choosing yourself, realizing that you're good enough. You know, like we said earlier, like, why not you? Why can't you be the one that changes the world, that helps people, that does what you want to do and lives, you know, your dream life? So that's what that book is about. And I'm just so excited about it. And it's just gotten such a great response. And I think for anyone starting out in business, even if it's, I mean, even if you're not in business for yourself, but especially if you're thinking about creating something in the world, whether it's writing a book or music or art or starting a business, like you have to read this book. I, I guarantee you, it will literally light a fire <laughs> under you and Absolutely. make you go do it. Would you say that Girl, Girl Code is the first, is the kind of pre-book and then Girl on Fire? I don't think you need to read them in any order. I think it's just whatever, like I always tell people to read the description on Amazon. Like if you go on my Amazon page and you look up my books, read the blurb, read the description and see what speaks to you. You know, some, maybe girl code is what you need at the moment. Maybe girl on fire is what you need. I have workbooks on there. I mean, I have like nine books. So I always tell people just read it. <laughs> read the blurb and see what call what's calling to you and then and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. And I I've read your books and I have all of them. So oh, thank you. <laughs> I loved Girl Code. I loved like she owns the place and I am not finished a girl on fire, but I have started it. So hopefully I'm going to finish that up in my trip to India. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's amazing. By the way, congratulations. That's so exciting. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm excited for it. <laughs> All right. So great. So we have lots of tips from you and, and seen kind of a little bit into your mindset and what's gotten you where you are now. But if you had to pick kind of one best piece of advice or strategy for a coach that's trying to build their business in the beginning or maybe to scale up where they're kind of feeling stuck. What would you say to that? So I'll say it again. I said this earlier, but I just want to reiterate it. Like stop looking around in your industry. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop thinking that you need to do it the way that it's been done before. I think when you free yourself of that need to constantly compare and to constantly compete, even if you don't realize you're competing, you allow yourself to be authentically you and you allow yourself to really stand out and create the thing that the world needs. We don't need another, you know, cookie cutter copycat. We don't need another Tony Robbins. We don't need another Oprah. We don't need another, you know, whoever, like we, we need you. So if you're deluding yourself with other people's content and you're constantly consuming that, you're going to start repeating that content. You're going to not even realize. Like I've seen this happen so many times with new coaches, they follow someone and then all of a sudden all their copy looks like that person's copy. And I don't even think it's on purpose. I think that right. they're so influenced by them. And I think it's a good thing that they're influenced, but you have to, there's a fine line, right? Yeah. Allow yourself to be inspired, but not imitate someone, right? There's like a very, very fine line. So I think that's my best advice. Just, you know, surround yourself with other entrepreneurs. I think it's important to be around other people, but a lot of my best friends are like jewelry designers or you know, fashion stylists or real estate agents. Like I, I don't really, 
I have coach friends, obviously, but I really don't consume their content. And I love them, but I'll tell them, you're muted on Instagram because I can't read your stuff all day long because I'm writing my own stuff. So there's nothing wrong with that. Like take a step back and allow yourself the time to figure out what you do differently and what you want to put out into this world. Absolutely. I agree with that. I think a lot of coaches do that. They follow, and, and I follow coaches as well. And I follow you. I follow some other coaches. And I also follow people where I want to be like so you always up level so if you want to be somewhere then you kind of have to look at the people that are in that space right but yeah but not too much because I I can't I'm not that type of person that can spend hours listening to podcasts or or whatever that's telling me things to do because then you wind up doing things that maybe aren't for you (laughs) so I definitely understand that so one other kind of question I have for you around the coaching business part of it is when you're feeling like you're not making any headway what's something that helps you to push forward to make that and and get done stuff? I think giving myself permission to maybe like pursue something different. So if I'm trying one thing and I'm trying to push something, like I'll give you an example. One of my workbooks, Style Your Mind, I have two. So Style Your Mind is the name of my podcast. I have a workbook called Style Your Mind, which does very well. And then I have one called Style Your Mind for Success. And that one does well, but for whatever reason, it just doesn't sell as many copies as the others. And I have no idea why. I get great feedback from it as great reviews. It's just for whatever reason. And I remember for a while, I was really pushing this workbook like so hard. I was talking about it every single day. I'm like, this just has to catch up. Like what's going on? I believe in that workbook so much. It's like, I actually had a course with that content that did really, really well. And for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe it's the cover. Maybe it's just the, like I really pushed this thing. And finally I had to just like let go of it. I was like, it's okay. It doesn't have to sell hundreds of copies a month. It's fine. Like it will get into the right hands. Now I'm going to shift gears. and I'm going to focus on something else. And that's when I actually started my academy. So I was like, okay, I'm going to shift a little bit. Maybe people want something different from me. Maybe I should give myself permission to do something different. So don't be so stuck on one idea of success. Don't be stuck on one product or one program that you have, if that's not working for some reason, like it's okay to move on and try something new. Absolutely. I love that. So giving yourself permission to, I mean, not give up on, on something, but after you've tried and you've done what you can, and then it's, it's time to move on then give yourself permission to let it go. Yeah. Pivot. It's okay to pivot in your business. It's, it's necessary. Otherwise you don't evolve. Awesome. So you mentioned your, your new Academy. Please tell us about that. Yeah. So I started my podcast three years ago, style your mind. Um, and the podcast has over 6 million unique downloads now. It has a lot of listeners. And I, for the longest time I was like, how can I take this a step further? Like all these people are tuning in each week. These people are excited about the content. I want to give more. And I, I love my coaching, my group coaching programs. I love my private clients, but I realized that the price point is out of reach for a lot of people. So I started to think about, okay, who is the woman or man, right? It's open to everybody. Who is the, who is the person who needs ongoing support, but maybe doesn't have the budget or even the time or the capacity for a coach, right? They want a coach, but maybe not a private coach or maybe not something that's so intense. They don't, you know, they've read a book or what what happens after the podcast ends or the last page of the book is read. So that's where I came up with the idea for the Academy. I wanted it to be really cutting edge. Like I have never seen anything in our industry that gives this much personal attention and value for this price point. So I, I charge $19.99 a month. So it's like less than $20 a month. And we do two live calls. So it's one call with me that I host one call with a guest expert, which Cheryl, you're going to be one of them. Surprise. I'm going <laughs> to 
Have a great month. You're definitely coming on. Thank you. Um, and then I create a, so each month has a theme. So this month, for example, February is becoming the love of your own life. So we're talking about what it takes to be empowered in your own life outside of a relationship. Cause I think that's a, you know, a hot button topic for women. So each month has a theme. So we'll do the two calls. I do a custom workbook each month. We have a private Facebook group. So there's a lot of value in there and I was able to create it where the price point is super low. So, you know, a lot of people can take advantage of it. It doesn't really break the bank, college students, single moms. Like I really am cognizant of everyone. And I, I think personal development should be available to everybody. I don't think it should be exclusive to people who can pay thousands of dollars. So that's the concept behind there. We have 450 women in the Academy today. My goal is to just continue to grow it every single month. And I actually created this uh, thing called the bring your bestie bonus. So when you sign up, you get to bring someone with you and they get a free membership for three months. So they can come into the group and you can have a little accountability partner or buddy to join with you. So it's been fun and I love it. I mean, I, I love building community. So seeing everybody in the Facebook group together has been awesome and the group kind of runs itself. You know, I, I give updates a couple of times a week and I pop in there, but everybody just connects and it's been awesome. And how would they find that, that Academy? So they can go to styleyourmindacademy.com and sign up. And then on my Instagram, of course, there's a link in my bio if they want to join that way. Awesome. And- Champagne diet on Instagram. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. So just to kind of close us out, besides your own content, which is definitely inspiring and my favorites and a lot of other people's favorites, what is something that you resource or you know, book or website or something that you could recommend to to our audience uh, listening today? So I actually love a podcast called Earn Your Happy with Lori Harder. I was just on it, and that's not why I'm promoting it because I've listened to it for years and I really, really love that podcast. She is Uh, former fitness model turned author turned personal development coach and she's just really raw and real and inspiring her name's Lori Harder I love her she's awesome and then a lot of stuff that I mean I don't really consume a lot of personal development so a lot of my recommendations are going to not make sense for this podcast (laughs) a lot of like fashion bloggers and things like that but I would say definitely Lori Harder in terms of books I think of what, oh, I read, what did I read? You know, obviously like the old school stuff. I read a lot of Wayne Dyer, you know, all of those things. I think anybody getting into coaching should definitely read Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, like all of that stuff. James Altucher is another author that I've been getting into. He actually has a book called Choose Yourself, which was very inspirational for me to read while I was writing Girl on Fire because it's similar, but he obviously writes from a very different viewpoint. So I would check out his stuff too. And Seth Godin, obviously I love, everybody needs to subscribe to Seth Godin's newsletter. He wrote a blog post called Pick Yourself. No, yeah, Pick Yourself. You can see the theme here. Choose Yourself, Pick Yourself. This all inspires (laughs) me so much. So if you do read Girl on Fire and it resonates with you, I would definitely check him out as well. Subscribe to him. He he sends emails out every single morning. They're super short. They're like two paragraphs, but they're very impactful. And I did like that you said, um, like you follow fashion bloggers and stuff like that, but that's what gives you inspiration, right? That's what kind of keeps you motivated. It It really does. Like I love uh, Skinny Confidential. Mm-hmm. She's become a friend of mine, Lauren Everett. It's more of a lifestyle blog, I would say. Um, she does everything. She covers like beauty and wellness and all that stuff. Uh, she's great. I love her stuff. And again, she's an entrepreneur. So she's, I can relate to her, but she's not, we're not in the same lane. You know, we're each doing our own thing. So it's, I find that to be really inspiring. All right, great. So besides looking at where you guys want to be, we also got to feed ourselves, feed our own soul, feed our own mind and our own inspiration. So I love that. Yes. So thank you so much, Kara, for joining us today. I had a great time. It was lovely talking to you. And I love that everything that you have going on. I'm actually in your academy as well. And I think it's an awesome program. And if you want to reach Kara, you can reach her on Instagram at 
the champagne diet. Is that correct? Yes. And then Facebook, you have a group that matches your academy that everybody could join once they join the academy as well, right? Yeah. When you sign up for the Academy, we just send you an email and you can access the group. All right. Awesome. So thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening to us. Hope to see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening in today. I'm so glad we got to spend this time together. If you love today's show, please consider leaving me a review on the Apple podcast app so other coaches can find the podcast. For more information about me, visit successfulcoaches.com. For daily inspiration and affirmations, follow me on Instagram at Coach Cheryl Thacker. Be sure to send me a DM so I can say hello. Until next time, to your success.